is so nice that it is the best subject matter for hearing. Simply by such questioning and hearing, one can achieve the highest perfectional stage of life. Because Lord Krishna is the original Supreme Person, any question about Him is original and perfect. Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that the highest perfection of life is to achieve the transcendental loving service of Krishna. Because questions and answers about Krishna elevate one to the transcendental position, the questions of Maharaj Pariksha about Krishna philosophy are greatly glorified. Maharaj Pariksha wanted to absorb his mind completely in Krishna, and such absorption can be effected simply by hearing about the uncommon activities of Krishna. For instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, it is stated that simply by understanding the transcendental nature of the Lord's appearance, disappearance, and activities, one can immediately return back home, back to Godhead, and never come back to this miserable condition, condition of material existence. It is very auspicious, therefore, to hear always about Krishna. So Maharaj Pariksit requested Chukadeva Goswami to narrate the activities of Krishna so that he could engage his mind in Krishna. The activities of Krishna are not different from Krishna himself. As long as one is engaged in hearing such transcendental activities of Krishna, he remains aloof from the conditional life of material existence. The topics of Lord Krishna are so auspicious that they purify the speaker, the hearer, and the inquirer. They are compared to the Ganges water, which Ganges waters, which flow from the toes of Lord Krishna. Wherever the Ganges waters flow, they purify the land and the person who bathes in them. Similarly, the Krishna Kata, where the topics of Krishna are so pure that wherever they are spoken, the place, the hearer, the inquirer, and speaker, and all concerned become purified. There will be one more verse. Translation. Those persons who are materially engrossed, being blind to the knowledge of ultimate truth, have many subject matters for hearing in human society, or emperor, for Prabhupada. In the revealed scriptures, there are two nomenclatures for the householder's life. One is Rihasa, and the other is Rihamedi. The Rihasas are those who live together with wife and children, but live transcendentally or realizing the ultimate truth. The Rihamedis, however, are those who live only for the benefit of the family members, extended or centralized, and thus are envious of others. The word Medi indicates jealousy of others. The Rihamedis, being interested in family affairs only, are certainly envious of others. Therefore, one Rihamedi is not on good terms with another Rihamedi, and in the extended form, one community, society, or nation is not on good terms with another counterpart of selfish interest. In the age of Kali, all the householders are jealous of one another because they are blind to the knowledge of ultimate truth. They may have many subject matters for hearing, political, scientific, social, economic, and so on. But due to a poor of knowledge, they set aside the question of the ultimate miseries of life, namely miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease. Finally, human life is meant for making an ultimate solution to birth, death, old age, and disease. But the human being, being illusioned by the material nature, forget everything about self-realization. The ultimate solution to the problem of life, the problems of life, is to go back home, back to Godhead. Is to hear about the Supreme Lord and His name, form, attributes, pastimes, paraphernalia, and variegatedness. 
Buddhist people do not notice. They want to hear something about the name, form, etc. of everything temporary. And they do not know how to utilize this propensity of hearing for the ultimate good. Misguided as they are, they also create some false literatures about the name, form, attributes, etc. of the ultimate truth. One should not therefore become a Greek lady simply to exist for envying others. But one should become a real householder in terms of the scriptural injunctions. The importance of hearing the proper things are recommended in these verses and purports. It is said that for someone to hear about Krishna is the highest benediction and it is the perfection of our hearing. Prabhupada writes it is very auspicious to hear about Krishna. As it is pointed out in the second verse I read, that people are not inclined to hear about Krishna. They're inclined to hear about everything else. And their minds therefore become absorbed in everything else. Yesterday a man was asking a question about how do we attract Krishna or how does a devotee attract Krishna and how is that different from the way someone who is not a devotee attracts Krishna. Because it can be said that whether one is a devotee of Krishna or not, if one sings praises to the Lord or reads the Bible or whatever, one can attract the mind of Krishna. But as I was pointing out, there are gradations of attracting Krishna. One can attract Krishna in a very superficial way. Or one can attract Krishna so that he is obliged to appear. And the examples that are most poignant are those of Arjuna. Of course, there are many poignant examples, but two that come to mind are Arjuna and Mother Yashoda. Mother Yashoda was very pure. She's considered Nityasiddha devotee. And by her purity, Krishna became her foster child and she was able to associate with him throughout his childhood. Arjuna attracted Krishna also in a very special way because Krishna became his servant. Krishna becomes the child of the servant of a very great devotee. Yashoda's greatness was not that she was praying to God for my daily bread, and of course God is attracted to such a person, and he supplies daily foodstuffs for everyone, human beings and non-human beings, ants and elephants, as Prabhupada points out. But she was not thinking that uh, God should give me my daily bread, but she was thinking if I don't give God his daily bread, Prabhupada points out, he will die. That is great uh, devotion to Krishna, single-minded attention to Krishna. And Arjuna was ordering Krishna. That's his driver. Take my chariot here. Take my chariot there. So one who thinks, as my body sometimes mistakenly do, that one should merge with Krishna, should realize that one actually who is devotee of Krishna, who becomes very pure in heart as a Vaishnava, becomes in a sense superior to Krishna. Of course, no one is superior to Krishna, but that role can be played. So Arjuna was ordering his driver, Parthasada, take me here, take me there. 
So in that sense, the devotee controls Krishna. It's not only that the devotee attracts Krishna's mind, but the devotee actually controls Krishna. Krishna was controlled by his wife, Krishna is controlled by the Gopas. Krishna is controlled by Radharani. Krishna is controlled by Arjuna. <coughs> Krishna was controlled by Mother Yashoda. She was sometimes binding. So Krishna wants to be with his devotee, and he's attracted by purity. He's not attracted so much by superficial uh, sayings of what he may have said here or there, but he's attracted by purity. So the goal of devotional service is to become so pure that one can enter the spiritual world, to have one's heart and mind completely devoid of envy. That is the nature of a pure devotee, and that is what we mean by purity. So it is said in the Bhagavatam, one should constantly hear about, remember and glorify the Supreme Lord who is our protector. This is the desire of the devotee. Not to hear about the Brahmakata or the Bharatkata, the village talk or the world talk, <coughs> the gossip or the news, but one's attraction should be to hear about the glories of the Supreme Lord. The materialist thinks that these glories are limited. How much can we talk about God? Uh, when I was about seven or eight, my uh, father had some lunch or dinner with a famous person. And uh, he was telling me that all he talked about was God. And he was very disdainful of the fact that this famous person just wanted to talk about God all the time. So, generally people are not interested, they don't want to hear, and they think that how much can you talk about God? Of course, this gentleman is a Christian. But still, he found things, he found it interesting. And we, we encounter such persons who read the Bible constantly, they just, you know, they want to talk a lot, they have a lot to say. Uh, but generally people think that it's not a, not a very big subject matter. In fact, even Vaishnavas sometimes think that way. Or Hindus certainly think that way sometimes. Um, an advanced Vaishnava doesn't think that way. But a, a very elementary Vaishnava might think that way. I'm just going to worship in the temple and see the deity. When Tulvati Saraswati was confronted with this notion, you know, that you were going to publish a paper every week or every day, <coughs> it was about Sajanatoshi. It was a paper that he was going to publish, I think. And someone said, well, you can't just, there's not that much to say about God and the spiritual world. So Shilavakistan's reply was that there's so much to say about Krishna that we could have a newspaper, voluminous newspaper, come out not every day, but every hour, every minute, every second. There's so much news about this. Everyone wants to hear news. If it's not newsworthy or not newsy, I heard it was all about the good news, the good things that were happening. And it lasted about three days. People just didn't want to hear it. So the nature of the age is a very contaminated age. It's ruled by Kali, or the Yugaraj, the Kali Raj. And even those who have very little material uh, surroundings, they're not very wealthy or they're not very uh, famous, they're not very popular. Even they are very attracted to mundane things. 
we were very surprised to see that in some of the, the huts, the, the little puddles that some of the bungies and the sweepers of India live in, sometimes are living in big pipes where they have ramshackle huts. There are TV antennas sticking out from many, many, many of them. And they're watching from their TV antenna the lives of the rich and famous. The soap operas, the famous soap operas have come across all over the world. This is just the nature of the age. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. The people are attracted to nonsense, to ridiculous things. They want to hear about all these, these things. They want to see how people are getting, how they're drinking, how they're smoking. They're very attractive. So the nature of the age is, is very retrograde. Very, it's very difficult. And people are envious, as it is pointed out. They're envious. And what is envy? Matsari. Envy is that thing which keeps us from Krishna. It's the thing when, uh, which makes us want to be Krishna, or be admired, or be the, the center of attention. Prabhupada said, as soon as we're up, once in a lecture, we're free from envy, when our hearts are free from envying other people, then we become pure, and then we can go back to the spiritual world. He said, we don't need a certificate to, to, to show that we're free from envy. It is a matter of the heart. When the heart becomes pure, we become free from envy. We don't have to go all the way back to the spiritual world. We can be liberated in this lifetime. We can become Jiva Mukta by being free from envy. We can effectively be living in the spiritual world, even though we're right here in the material world. We can be living like a transcendentalist, the spiritualist. So, he's making a distinction here between Rihastas and Rihamedes. And as we were seeing in Prabhupada's life, even when he was a householder, he was living a life of a transcendentalist. Prabhupada used to sometimes praise his Grihastha disciples, that they were more than the renunciants that were in his Bodhi Mahat. Sometimes they were preaching, they were making Krishna the center of their lives. Prabhupada was so much appreciative of devotional service, of pure devotional service. They didn't matter. But most of what we see are people that are bound up, as Prabhupada is pointing out, in their households, in their houses. And they, they don't even know who their neighbors are. There's no sense of community. Even people living very close to their neighbors in apartment buildings, they don't even know the names of their neighbors. So there's, so when Prabhupada talks about the enviousness of, of one Rihamedi to another, it's very obvious, it's very clear. They don't even, there's no sense of community because everyone thinks that I'm better than anyone else. And they don't even, they don't even talk to their neighbors. They just, you know, they're like strangers passing in the night. They just see a face. They don't know the name, they don't know what they do. And this is whether they're living close together in a, a big palace down the road. They don't know. So this is the nature of material life. One becomes envious, envious of others. Um, but Grihasta, on the other hand, is making Krishna the center of life. When Grihasta sit together with husband, wife, and children and read the pastimes of the Lord, read from Srimad Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Gita, immediately all envy is cast aside and their whole atmosphere becomes purified. They become Grihasta. Um, you were asking the other day, I think, about communities and this is the difference between spiritual communities and not spiritual communities. Spiritual communities 
have a center of life. They have a common vision, a common goal. And therefore, whether it's New Varshan, the core community, or the larger community of devotees, it stretches out maybe a half a mile or a mile or two, there's a common goal. There's a common sense. There's one main activity, and that is worshiping the Lord, and making our desire to go back to the spiritual world. Uh, one man was asking after today's class, what is the purpose of a human being? And the simple answer is that we want to become pure and go back to the spiritual world. We don't want to stay in this material world. So if we associate with one another in the right way as devotees, then all enemies goes, and we become spiritual. We become closer to that goal of life, which is to glorify the Lord, to associate with one another, and to constantly worship and hear about the Lord. Uh, the desire to, to hear about so many things is very, very prominent. Um, one example Prabhupada gave was about the, you've heard this I'm sure, about how people were so attached to newspapers. He was speaking of a Christian preacher who was in, in went into the area of the, the uh, coal mines somewhere in the, uh, England in the north. Newcastle or someplace like that. And, and as he was preaching to the coal miners, nobody was listening, nobody was interested because he was describing the nature of hell. He said it was always no light and, and always uh, impossible. He was talking about, of course, it's supposed to be very hot, but he was saying how it was very cold and damp because he was down in the coal mine and the, and the miners were not uh, moved. So Prabhupada said he was very intelligent. And after explaining that there was no light and that it was uh, day after day being in uh, subterranean conditions, he finally thought, aha, he said that in hell there are no newspapers. And all of a sudden the miners became very shocked and very interested in what he was saying. Because they're very attached. Going down and working in a coal mine all day, but not having newspapers was intolerable for them. So people have to hear, have to hear about Ramakatha, about Bhartakatha. And a devotee should have a kind of healthy um, disdain for the material world. Pessimism, we must say. Uh, Prabhupada points out that the Bhagavad Gita says that we're really not looking for the, for the solutions of life, the real, the real happiness in life. He mentions that in Bhagavad Gita, the miseries of material existence are, he's speaking of, from the highest planets down to the lowest, all are places of miseries where repeated birth and death take place. But one who knows about my abode, the transcendental nature of my abode, never takes birth again. So people are wrangling materially over this problem, that problem, the health problem, the pollution problem. And they have so many institutions formed to combat these problems. I'm sure it's the same in every Western country. There's a committee, there's a group that is trying to stop war, is trying to stop violence, trying to stop ethnic uh, conflict, trying to uh, return people to better health. There are so many uh, organizations. But this is a form of Maya Sukhaya. That means that whatever solutions we propose to material problems, they create more problems. And the problems become so great that there have to be more solutions invented. And these solutions are again, in turn, creating more problems. So we have a network of problems that become insurmountable. They just multiply, they become more and more, and there's no solution. 
By hearing about the Lord, it is explained, cuts the hard knot of material existence. It's the only solution that can cut the hard knot. Because the real problems are not being addressed. The real problems that we have to die, that we have to be born, we have to get old, we get diseased. Those are eternal problems. But even those problems, the problem of having to die, which people are trying to overcome by extending the life process, they're spending billions every year on the study of the gerontology or old age and trying to show that people can live to be 100, 200. There's a, an advertisement that was in one of the newspapers in the United States of a, of a man who had the appearance of being very elderly, 80, 90, and he was water skiing without water skis in this picture. And instead of holding the rope with his hands, holding the rope to the boat, he was holding it in his teeth. And this was an advertisement by an insurance company, life insurance company, which uh, said, which, which was trying to say, it said in the caption to the picture, that, uh, to, I don't remember the exact words, but it was to the effect that um, in old age today, we can do many things that we weren't able to do in the past. Um, so this is an indirect way of trying to sell life insurance, because the usual way of trying to sell life insurance is to say, well, you know, we're all going to die very soon and have to have insurance so that we can protect our loved ones and make sure that they're cared for. But this was trying to uh, be a little bit more modern and show that, well, actually we can live a long time, we can be very vigorous and very happy, we shouldn't worry too much, but of course we have to have life insurance. <clears throat> anyway, even if we live to be 200. So, uh, kind of a eye-catching ad to see someone at that age, water skiing barefoot, holding the his teeth. The enjoyment spirit is so strong, so, so powerful, that people actually think like this. And this was the question that Damaraj asked you to steer. As a disembodied voice, he asked him, what's the most wonderful thing? And of course, the answer was, we think we're not going to die, even though we see death all around us. positive side is that we are eternal and we don't die. But the negative side is that we have no awareness, that life is very short. The man is a creature of half the breath, as Shankaracharya said. One time we'll inhale, but we won't exhale. Or we'll exhale, and we won't inhale. So Prabhupada quotes Shankaracharya saying that we are creatures of half the breath. Life is so fragile, and yet we think we're not going to die. But Krishna consciousness is a preparation for this process that we all have to go through at some point. But we have to. We must. We must experience death. And in doing so, in experiencing this transition, Prabhupada taught us in his own way that it is a transition. And Prabhupada was surrounded by devotees who were chanting. So hearing is the key, really, to advancing in Krishna consciousness. And because in the age of Kali, we chant the holy name of Krishna, and everyone can hear it, it is very beneficial. It's described by Lokshan Das Thakur that the demigods were not taking birth uh, just to, in the Kali Yuga, be with Krishna and Lokshit, and they came, came in large numbers. They wanted to take birth in Kali Yuga because they wanted to experience the nectar of chanting and hearing the holy name. The holy name is so blissful, so full of transcendental happiness that the demigods pray to take birth in Kali Yuga sometimes, and they were eager to take birth in this age because they would have the opportunity to constantly hear the holy name with their ears, to chant the holy name with their tongue. Because Krishna is non-different from his name. We forget this. 
it's very easy to forget how wonderful chanting is. And therefore, it is said, we say every day, that we should chant with great, uh, we should be very fixed, single-minded, we should chant with great attention. Because actually this chanting is non-different from being with Krishna, from, from actually being with Krishna himself. Krishna is there in his holy name. So, by chanting and by hearing, we can avoid envy, I'm sorry, we can avoid all of the inebrieties of material life. Kamapro, uh, Lo, Moha, Matsari, lust, anger, greed, madness, illusion, and envy. And we can become fixed in devotional service. We can become free from envy just by hearing. So, when we say that we want to become lovers of Krishna, that is what it means. We don't want to do anything but hear about Krishna. But to love Krishna. And that is our goal. That's the goal of our lives. And by hearing of Krishna, by associating with Krishna's devotees, Krishna will give us the Dami Budi will give us intelligence, Budi Yoga, how to make this chanting very widespread and to increase everyone's desire to hear about Krishna. So we'll stop there. If you have some comments or questions, go ahead. I'll read the verses again. Kishikadeva Goswami said, My dear king, your question is glorious because it is very beneficial to all kinds of people. The answer to this question is the prime subject matter for hearing and it is approved by all transcendentalists. Those persons who are naturally Sorry, those persons who are materially engrossed being blind to the knowledge of ultimate truth have many subject matters for hearing in human society. However, are you saying that material solutions tend to be different material problems? Like one problem is solved and another problem is created. So in the spiritual community, should we? Just try to hear and chant and don't worry about trying to make any material adjustments. In a spiritual community, Krishna is giving us Buddha Yoga, or intelligence. So when we perceive problems and create solutions, those are not material solutions. They're spiritual solutions. Because Krishna is giving us the intelligence how to act on a spiritual platform. And when Krishna is the center of everything, we, as, as it is stated in the, uh, well, Prabhupada actually was commenting on Yogi Namapisarvisham, the last person in the chapter of Bhagavad Gita, he was saying that the secret of controlling the mind, this, this chapter is about controlling the mind, the yoga, is to tax the brain how to be Christian consciousness, consciousness and how to advance Christian consciousness. He said we should tax our brain how to spread this Christian consciousness quickly. So that brain taxation is not material, that is spiritual. And the more we sort of foment, we might say, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness bounce it off each other and think how best to preach Krishna consciousness. When we tax our brains, we do this in a collective way also. And it's very beneficial because it churns the ocean of nectar. How are we going to advance in Krishna consciousness? One, uh, I think it was Dhamma Krishna was asking Prabhupada once. Yeah, he, he talked about this in one of the, the uh, Prabhupada's experience days. So Prabhupada, I, you're sending me to Mumbai all the time over this court case. They were, they were uh, trying to acquire the, the temple in, in Mumbai, in Juhu. And he said that 
if he knew he could quote more from the municipal codes of Bombay than he could from the Bhagavad Gita. So, what does that mean? And Prabhupada's answer was, if you just give one lifetime to Krishna, Krishna will be very pleased and you'll go. You'll be able to go back to the spiritual world. Give your whole life to Krishna. So even if it means seemingly mundane things, Krishna is spiritualizing the whole atmosphere, the whole endeavor. Yes? Yes, we asked that children. And uh, what of my friends, what is your opinion about the, the, what children should learn in school? What, how much academic, um, spiritual life, spiritual understanding? Because this is kind of a polemic going on. We like your opinion about your opinion. Well, first of all, should we prepare our kids? How do you prepare our kids for future life? Because they may not be huge bodies of Brahmins, or they they can be Brahmins, etc. No. Okay, well, first of all, my opinion is not important. But what I try to do when I speak is say what what I... Realize from the Shastra and to not change what we have, what the knowledge that we've acquired has been what Prabhupada would say if he were here. So I'm, I'm trying to answer that way and I hope not to give my personal opinion about this. So I'll, I'll try to give an answer based upon my realizations. Um, Prabhupada has said to various householders that their children are their deities, that they have to absorb themselves in thinking how this person can be Krishna conscious. And Bhakti Thakur said that the measure of our Krishna conscious will be how we've made someone else Krishna conscious or how many devotees we've made. And this refers all obviously to quality, not just quantity. Because Srila Bhakti Sarasvati is known for saying that if just one of my followers becomes a pure devotee, I will think my mission became successful. What means more valuable than a million stars? So it is the duty of your husband to do everything possible to make that child Krishna conscious. And that begins from Karvadan Sanskar. But even if there is no such thing, even if a, a person adopts a child, that child, according to what we have learned from Srila Prabhupada, by the proper environment and the proper atmosphere, can overcome whatever karma may have been accumulated in previous births and become a pure devotee. Prabhupada has stated this. So it's our duty to do our very best to bring Krishna consciousness to a person. And as a person, our child evolves in life, it grows up. We, as parents, have to nurture that child and be very concerned, very interested in the characteristics of that child. And as any parent knows, raising a child is a very interactive process. I'm sure there are many books written about this. And reading those books is also not Maya, because there is a process known as Yukta Bhairagya, Nasakasya Vishayam, Vitarhamu Bhairagya. Nirvana Krishna Samadhi Yukta Bhairagya. This was taught to us by Rupa Goswami, and we use material knowledge. Um, we've learned how to use microphones, we, we learn how to produce books by reading books about book production. Very essential 
and central activity in Christian consciousness. Um, we've learned, we, we learn about construction sometimes to build temples. So our, even our most central activities require uh, the use of knowledge, reading about so-called mundane things to read about computers to operate our computers. We, we uh, learn about cooking sometimes. So, to learn the art of raising a child is not a mundane process. So, exactly what that child is going to learn, how much about mathematics, how much about history, uh, how much about science, is very much dependent upon the child, very dependent upon the parents, very dependent upon the environment in which the child is going into, dependent upon whether one is a child is in Guruful or not in Guruful, dependent upon the spiritual desires and advancement of the parents. The most important thing Prabhupada said was to give the child full Krishna consciousness, or at least every opportunity to be fully Krishna conscious. That is the duty. As to how much of what, how much of what subject to give each person is a very individual, interactive affair. It depends on many, many, many factors. So, uh, it's, it's good that the topic is being debated or discussed as you, as you indicate. Because by discussing these things among devotees, we'll come to the right conclusion. We should carry on such discussions and research until we are satisfied that we're doing the best thing. Or we may never be satisfied, but that's alright too, because it is an ongoing process. Development. It's not a product, but a process. How one develops, becomes a devotee. Yes, Prophet indicated in various places, especially when he's talking about the Guru, that we don't want to create technologists, we just want taking a little reading, writing, and arithmetic and basics. But that the focus should be on developing character. Mm-hmm. And that he was describing that there's a businessman in India, they send their children to school because they're only about 10, and they go home and get trained by association how to run a business. They're the rich ones. If they want a person who has a degree, they can hire that person. I'm just giving that example. So it seems that Prabhupada didn't put such emphasis on academics. Um, on, on academics, if we're referring to reading and writing and hearing, that's also academics. Um, and philosophy, that's also academics. So on, on that sense, in that way, Prabhupada emphasized academics. But he, as you say, he didn't emphasize technology. Because, as you point out, we can hire someone to build a temple, we don't have to learn how to do construction ourselves. But sometimes we do do things ourselves. Um, most of our books production, at least in the early days, was done by people who learned the process, you know, they just studied the books. Um, in general, we want... Uh, oh, another thing is we, we know that the technology is temporary. At least the technology as we know today is not going to last forever. So we don't want to train people to be superficial. But if those things can be used for Krishna, and the person is um, the type of has the type of mind that is uh, able to absorb technology and use it uh, for Krishna uh, to advance the Krishna consciousness movement, that that part is wrong. It can be done. It's not that, that it's wrong to learn how to use a computer or. or 
the mechanics of a car because we may need that to go in the mechanic to fix our cars or to produce our whatever our books. <coughs> However, if we can um, hire such a person to do it, um, who already has the knowledge, of course, that's better use of our of our energy. So we have to look at the whole situation. Um, if you can hire a person, if Krishna gives us the money to hire such a person who's an expert, then that person will also make advancement because that person will be doing his or her activity for Krishna. He's building or some, something very technical that's being done for Krishna that that person benefits. So, in our, in our training of individuals, how to act, what to do, it's a very interactive process. Prabhupada's main focus was that people in, in vertical's at least, uh, meaning sort of younger, I don't know what the age breakdown is, maybe before 11 or 12, but they should become very well versed in English and in Sanskrit and in the Shastras, and they should be very well versed in the philosophy. And this will give people a very good basis to, uh, to progress in life, whether they pursue that avenue or whether they become a little more technical or they're, if they're Vaishas, they're going to make money for Krishna, or if they're going to Shatras, if they're going to minister for Krishna, or they're going to be agriculturalists. Difficult to know. But first, the, the idea of society of Brahmins, that in youth people, in our girls at least, they should learn basics, the basics of how being the center of our lives. Yes? You said that getting purified now, people have to probably not come back and be able to Bhakti no Thakur says in the Chaitanya that one should not waste time by asking questions about the origin of the Jiva. Um, so what I'm, I'm saying is that this is a topic that we can debate forever. Um, generally, when one goes back to the spiritual world, one never returns. But because there is a, a flow of jivas somehow into the material world, which is one-fourth of the whole creation, there is a mystery that exists that we can say that we don't somehow or other the desire to envy Krishna has come about. But exactly how that comes about and why that comes about, probably we can never know. It doesn't mean that we can't ever discuss it, but it's something that we don't know the answer to. Our desire is to go back to the spiritual world and be with Krishna and hope that we remain there forever. Because by the way, Gita gives us that guarantee. But uh, if you've read our original position, that book, <coughs> uh, the conclusion is of the Shah of the Siddhanta is that we were originally with Krishna, Krishna consciousness. Yes. It's the the girl was the name for all students, like for me, you know, whatever it's buzzing in the Brahminkum actually, because the one by Shiva is something else. Yeah, I don't know where the, where the break comes. It's more like 12 or 13 or something like that. So it's not that everyone is going to, to be a, a philosopher or a, or a researcher, a drama, and definitely not. 
this was so interesting that Krokan indicated that the girls shouldn't go to the spiritual after the time, the Vanishman College. I know, I don't know. Yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. In this conversation about the, the Vanishman College, which is after the age of 19 or 12, whatever, mm-hmm. it was only for boys, it wasn't for girls. Mm-hmm. He said they should just sit home and then have a Krokan clean and things like so what does that mean? All, all Hare Krishna women should cook and clean and get what? Well, once they're raised in the society, that's how far they're indicated. Well, I think we have to be careful in quoting things that Prabhupada said, because he said many things um, to many people in many places, and he did many things that aren't in the polio, and he said many things that aren't in the polio to many people. As I said, that's an emerging body of knowledge. I don't think we can turn it back and say that the women presidents who are now presidents shouldn't be presidents. Other administrative positions should should not have those positions. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is that our meditation should be what Prabhupada would do if we were here right now. What would he say? Not what he said at a particular time at a particular place. Now maybe in the future that will be more. Uh, maybe when all the research is done and time has gone by. Um, when we live in a more Varnashram-centered kind of society, um, that kind of thing will be more more uh, prominent, more prevalent. But we have to be really careful, I think, in, in quoting what Prabhupada said. Prabhupada said to read that in the marriage about his university that there's no reason why women can't also go to that. Hmm. But it seems that there's some um, idea for how to raise the girls within the society that being born into new things a bit different. But like I said, Prabhupada said many things, and what it seems like he meant to one person may be different from what he said to another person. So all, all I'm trying to say is that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a servant of Prabhupada, and I'm trying to present Siddhanta as much as I have realized it. I, they, it is said that one can only, a bird can only fly so far, so I can only speak as far as my realizations go. And I have to say that on these topics, I'm, I'm not very well versed. I think that Siddhanta will emerge over the next few years as, uh, People give their their uh, sworn statements about what Prabhupada said, and all that is added to the polio because there are hundreds of uh, disciples of Prabhupada who have not given their uh, experiences with Sri Prabhupada. So I think we're in a position, we're in a situation, and this is my, my uh, realization, we're in a situation where we don't know the answers to all these questions right now. And uh, not that they shouldn't be discussed, I think they need to be, I think it's very important that they be. But I definitely know all the answers to especially questions like this. I don't even want to pretend to know. It seems there's a danger then to um, sort of like publish or speak very publicly on some of these issues when it's not really clear what the real understanding is. Yeah, there's a danger because um, we, we, uh, our movement is really based upon knowledge and scholarship, as Lord Chaitanya indicated. And, and as we read from the works of the Goswamis, like we, were, we were hearing about Jesus Goswami, how you know, they're really uh, pouring over the philosophy. And as Prabhupada is no longer here now, we need a complete understanding of not only his recorded words, but his unrecorded words that people swear by. Because even in courts of law, that's admissible as evidence. In fact, most of the evidence probably isn't based on videotapes, not it's based on sworn, you know, Truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth type of thing. So whether it's notarized or in book form or written down in some way, um, all that knowledge has to emerge. So there is a danger in being too public about uh, individual realizations. Although they're important because we, we, we need to hear 
but what we in other words, what is already there is important. It can't be ignored and it shouldn't be uh, twisted. But there's a lot more to come. That's basically what I'm saying. There's, I think we have to kind of go on what we have. But this, and, and what we have there are the, the recorded words of problem. We also have what I'm going to start Prabhupada said to me. You're going to have what Prabhupada what he or Prabhupada said or what Dr. Srimash. So whether he heard Prabhupada say to you, that's all very real and very uh, important. And sometimes it will even supersede some of the things that Prabhupada may have said that were recorded. Because he might say, well, I wrote this, but now I've concluded that. And if someone scores a Prabhupada said that, then that becomes important. Maybe it will supersede something that he said before. Um, there, when the question of polygamy came up, Prabhupada, you'll find this in his conversations, that he supported the idea of polygamy in the West. <clears throat> Later on, he, he said in a very conclusive way that I, I have concluded, words that effect, that in this country, meaning the United States, but I think he meant it for all Western countries, we can also research that, uh, that, that this should not be done. That, that I'll, I don't think it's, in our society, we won't have to It's against the law, and he gave different reasons why it shouldn't be done. One, one man can only support one wife. Even economically, it wasn't feasible. So he did change. And it's possible that he might have said something else on that or another topic that someone heard and will swear that he heard it. And that becomes, of course, someone else might swear he heard something else. But it, it ultimately, it all has to be put together and decided upon what, what, what the right course is. Just like there's a law courts and juries and judges. And that becomes Sedanto or theology, as, as Thomas Hopkins was pointing out. It's very interesting because we really see it give your opinion. Ah. And you're saying that, well, we're not so interested in the opinion, we want to hear what Prabhupada had to say. But even within that, different devotees will have different angles of vision and different realizations. And sometimes it's important to acknowledge that this is, as I understand it, to the best of my ability, but it may not be the conclusive decision right. of the whole Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's just an opinion. Um, but opinions are important in the sense that they're based on realizations an actual uh, hearing of what Prabhupada said or what other said that we, we consider to be bona fide. That's the, the value of what we call an opinion. I was trying to make the distinction that an opinion it has to be based upon fact or it really should be set onto a realization. Yeah, as opposed to just an opinion that is, you know, kind of superficial thought about what I think about it. Then. Yes? Well, I may not be putting this question very wrong, but... Uh the philosophy of Krishna, rather using everything in Krishna's service, um, we have sometimes tended to um, get attached to the things we are using in Krishna's service, and that uh, simple living high thinking seems to be a remote. Uh, I mean, we seem to even forget that at some point of time because we are we get so attached to our cars, our microphones, and mm-hmm. sitting, and we don't seem to go to the self-sufficient communities because we start getting attached to it. Could you? Advice on how to find this fine line between Uttar Vada again and getting a cash, how we collect a That's a, it's, uh, <coughs> There's always danger in preaching or in using anything for Krishna, as Prabhupada said we should do. It can be. But the danger is that we can, just like with a computer, um, it can be used for valuable research, it can be used to write, it can be used so many ways to produce books that. Things are so valuable to Krishna. But um, on the other hand, one can become obsessed or absorbed in the computer. Uh, it's not like a, it becomes like a game almost. And, you know, you can, just like with the dictionary, <clears throat> uh, it's necessary to know certain words. 
for writing or for reading Prabhupada's books, you have to look up certain words sometimes. But you can throw away a whole day just by looking up words in the dictionary if you're inclined that way. Decide it's fun. You look up words and find out what they mean. So the whole day it's gone. Now, what was I doing? I was looking up words. <laughs> or I was trying to figure out, you know, about ten different variations of how to use Microsoft Word, how to make it easier. So there's great danger in, in Yuktavairagya. Because Yuktavairagya means preaching. It means using everything for Krishna. And when we use everything, the danger is that I become absorbed in those things, whatever they may be. I might be absorbed in, uh, in just speaking a certain way because I'm preaching. And I, I just talk about the sound of my voice. You know, I start reading other books and pretty soon I'm not reading Prabhupada's books anymore. So it's important for us all, I think, to be aware of the danger of Yuktavairagya. It's not that we can engage in Yuktavairagya and we have nothing to worry about. Um, for for uh, experience like this, like I was going now, um, there should be um, you were asking about what, what do we mean about how the community, how we, it's more than just, um, what were you saying? Me? Yeah, you asked me, you said. Well, you were saying how you've got a lot of houses, but no one talks to each other, there's no communication, so yeah. you make it into more of a yeah. community. Yeah, I forgot, well, you had a good question, but the, the, the main point is that it's not a simple thing to, to live in a community. Now, one of the things that, that makes it more easy is, is when you have a common purpose. Of course, Krishna is the common purpose. But beyond that, we, we want to expand, just like the Srimad Bhagavatam. It started off with just four, four shlokas, then it was expanded, then it was expanded. So with Krishna at the center, we should decide what our, our goal is. We have a common purpose, we have a mission statement, we have a set of goals, a set of goals. And there, by when we differ on things, we can, well, we can have a reference. Well, we agreed on this. We agreed on A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And as, if these things aren't advancing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, then we should put it aside and concentrate on A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. So these are also, I mean, it's not the be-all and the end-all of how make the community work. It's just one of the many things that are important. There be a vision, a mission, a common goal that we can refer to when we see that we're experiencing the difficulties that communities will naturally go through. So this is, this is helpful. Um, and one of those things, of course, is, is the idea of simplicity and simple living and high thinking, and not to succumb to the various uh, aberrations that can exist when we get into Yukta because we do have a certain amount of that. And um, when, when uh, I was at Bhakti Vedanta Manor in 1973-74, we were trying to get people to come out there and work on the farm. I said, look, the city people, they don't, you know, they don't know how to work on the farm. It's not an easy thing to get to get city folk that are used to going out and buying a carton of milk to sit down and milk cows. <laughs> or, or to, you know, who are used to buying all their vegetables to grow and they're working in the fields and plowing it. It's very, very difficult. So to attain proper sort of self-sufficiency, um, it's not going to happen quickly because we're not inclined that way. But if that's a common goal, if that is a goal, a stated goal or a written down goal and common purpose, then uh, we, can, we can begin the process so we can move more rapidly in that direction. We can begin to study things like permaculture, which could be, hey, that's material, permaculture, or, or uh, self-sufficiency. We will start reading books about it. That's Yiktavairagi too. Um, but it's also, but because it's in furtherance of our stated goals, because it's Christian conscious, it's not wrong, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Mara, just a follow-up question to this, because I was kind of a little concerned uh, with this YPK situation coming, uh, whether we should as devotees be working on uh, I know there's a lot on the farm and there's a lot of devotees thinking about this in the United States. 
since we come from the United States, as a single thing for that, when we go back to the show, you know, seriously considering some kind of such sufficiency. Well, that all has to be studied too. You know, it really needs to be researched. Uh, whether it's going to be a total worldwide collapse, going to be a partial collapse, or a temporary difficulty for a while. This needs to be really carefully researched and studied. I don't know what is, what is actually going to happen, but I'm consulting with people who are seriously researching. Yes? How do you go about creating a mission and vision for us? There are, um, are several different ways to do it. <coughs> I don't have time to. I've got something you can read that explains how to do it. Um, that I wrote once based on some. Um, Farming knowledge. Um, but the devotees have done it. They've created mission statements. Basically, the process is you get, you have several meetings, you get everyone together, and you kind of get input from all persons, and you gradually refine, 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 you do it several times <coughs> until you understand what, what uh, everyone's needs and concerns are, and what your, the basic principles are, what, what uh, the Siddhanta is, or what people realize it is. And then gradually create a statement of purpose, a series of statements. Maybe. Would it be something like the GDC can give a mission statement to the to the project to start working on? It could be. It could be. It seems that unless you involve everybody, I don't see how people would be inspired to involved. Well, when I say it could be, I mean that everyone has to look at it and agree to it, and then expand on it, modify it, change it, or reject it. You know, I mean, it's, it is a community thing. Not, not that I'm advocating to reject what the GDC say, um, but it needs to be uh, a common, common thing, a common purpose that everyone should agree to, to whatever it may be. And if, if uh, because we're interacting, if we, as a group, feel that some serious modification should be done, then we, we have every right to approach our GPCs and, and make those propositions. So, of course, it should be based on organizations rather than just opinions. I think we're getting a bit, a bit late and because John and I and Paulus and Barra are here. Um, I'm going way past the hours. Yeah, I know there's a lot of things that need to be done. So, and thank you very much. Your questions and attention, Srimad Bhagavatam Kijaya, Srila Prabhupada Kijaya.